Hi folks, this is Jason Crane, and I need your help. I am riding in August in Philadelphia in the Livestrong Challenge Ride to benefit the Lance Armstrong Foundation, which helps uh, research for cancer and also helps families who are dealing with cancer. Many people in my family have been impacted by cancer, and I'm sure the same is true for many of you. So, I'm riding my bike and raising money. And this is the cool part. For every $5 you donate to my ride, which you can do by clicking on uh, the very visible link at thejazzsession.com on the left side, for every $5 you donate, you get entered into a drawing for great jazz prizes, autographed CDs, I've got some LP reissues, I've got a pair of tickets to see uh, Dave Brubeck in the Berkshires in Massachusetts in October, which is very close to New York and Boston if you're in that area. So please go to thejazzsession.com, click on the uh, Pick a Fight link over on the left side of the Lance Armstrong Foundation logo and all that stuff, and donate. For every five bucks you donate, you get a raffle ticket. The prizes will be drawn at the end of August. Donate as much as you can, and thank you very much for your help. And now, on with the show. Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session, the weekly jazz interview show. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. The Jazz Session is also available for free at thejazzsession.com and in iTunes. This week's guest is bassist Christian McBride. From his new album, Kind of Brown, this is Theme for Kareem. Thank you. 
My guest is bassist Christian McBride. He and his new acoustic band Inside Straight have just released an album called Kind of Brown on the Mac Avenue record label, and it's my pleasure to welcome Christian to the show. Thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. This whole album really sounds like a, a really joyous reunion, and uh, I know to some degree that it is a reunion. Can you talk about uh, how this band and these particular players came together for this recording? Yeah, um, Carl Allen and I go way back, especially. Uh, I've known Carl Allen since I was maybe 14 years old, and uh, we've been playing together on and off uh, probably since my first week in New York City. He's always been one of my favorite drummers to play with. I guess after eight years of playing with my my previous band, the Christian McBride Band, which uh, pretty much got defaulted as a fusion band among the uh, jazz community, I felt like it was time to kind of come back and check in at home, as I like to say, and uh, put together an all-acoustic, all-straight-ahead band. So um, I decided I'd give Carl a ring. That was an easy call there. Steve Wilson, who's been pretty much like a pillar of the jazz community uh, for many years. Same with Eric Reed, who uh, is another person I go way back with. And Warren Wolf, who actually was a former student of mine at uh, Jazz Aspen Snowmass. That's the uh, summer program I've been artistic director for for the last uh, 10 years now. And uh, I went to Lorraine Gordon, the owner of the Village Vanguard, and asked if I could bring a band in. And uh, she said, absolutely, I'd, I'd love to have you back, because it had been a very long time since I'd played the Village Vanguard. And I figured if, if I consider myself a self-respecting jazz musician, you know, you, you got to come home and play the Vanguard at some point. So that's pretty much how it started. But uh, originally, it, I only conceived it to be just one single week at the Vanguard just to kind of play some real good finger-popping straight ahead, and then we'd all go back to our respective uh, bands and projects. But uh, the week was so successful, so many people came down to hear the group that week, a lot of different record companies and promoters and people like that, and they said, you know, well, you, you got to keep this band together. That's just You just have to. My first reaction was, well, there's no way I would be able to keep this band together because everybody's busy. Eric Reed has his own projects, and Carl and Rodney Whitaker have their own band, which is recording from Mac Avenue, and also Carl runs the uh, jazz department at the Juilliard School. So I just didn't think it'd be able to stay together. But uh, about a year later, we wound up booking a few gigs, and I, I signed a, a recording contract with Mac Avenue, incumbent upon them recording the quintet that I played at the Vanguard with. So uh, things just kind of fell into place. The second track on this record is a theme for Kareem, which is a Freddie Hubbard tune. You mentioned how far you and Carl go back, and that's yeah. the source of the Freddie connection, too, isn't that right? Absolutely. He, Carl is the reason why I got in Freddie's band in the first place. How did that Carl connection come about? I mean, he really seemed to kind of, I know you've referred to him before as kind of your sponsor, or the guy who, you know, kind of shepherded you into the New York scene. How, right. how did you guys make that really strong connection, both personally and, and musically? Uh, well, I was fortunate that growing up in Philadelphia, it was really close to New York, and, you know, all of the great international musicians, you know, guys who toured around the world, they all lived in New York, and really close, and, and they were always coming through Philly. Uh, so the first time I met Carl, he was actually playing with Terrence, the old Terrence Blanchard, Donald Harrison group. 
I don't know, just something about Carl. We just, we really hooked up. We really became fast friends. And uh, although Carl is, I believe he's uh, 11 years older than me, there was always a sense, you know, I always felt like he was a, a big brother, so to speak. I mean, yeah, he certainly was someone I respected as an elder, someone I looked up to as a musician, because I had many records he played on with Terrence and Donald and Woody Shaw and, and Freddie. But uh, he really, really reminded me of someone who I would have loved to have as a big brother. So uh, we kept in touch throughout my junior and senior year in high school. And then when I got to New York, we wound up hooking up. I, I don't know exactly how. We just wound up hooking up on gigs around town, and uh, he knew how bad I wanted to play with Freddie. When the opening came came about, uh, he recommended me, and uh, he brought me on a gig. I, I first played with Freddie on this job in Columbia, South Carolina. It actually wasn't with Freddie's band. It was, I played in the house rhythm section for this thing called the Budweiser Jazz Explosion. Uh, and that was kind of a safe introduction for Freddie to hear me. If he decided that he liked me, then he would, you know, maybe have me come in and actually play with his band. And that, and that exactly, that's exactly what happened about three months later. And that was in the summer of uh, 1990. Uh, so Carl, along with Benny Green, uh, Terrence Blanchard, Donald Harrison, uh, Bobby Watson, and most definitely Winston Marcellus. They were like, uh, I had a lot of big brothers when I first moved to town, so I was fortunate that I had a lot of guys looking out for me by the time I already got to the city. So are you, uh, is the circle coming all the way around now with, with Warren Wolf Jr.? I feel like it, because uh, the first time I heard Warren, uh, as I said before, um, he he was just so incredible. I mean, this was nine years ago when I heard him. Uh, he was—he seemed to be so far ahead of the rest of the participants in the camp that summer. Uh, I told him, I said, "Look, I don't have a band where I need a vibraphone, but if I ever get one, you're going to be the man." So, um, as for, it took a while, but uh, I finally was able to put a band together, and uh, I called him for it. I mean, I actually Warren's partly the reason why this band came together, also because. Uh, I could have easily just done a quartet with just Steve Wilson and Eric and Carl, and it would have been just as wonderful. But Warren brought that extra thing to it that made it even more special. He, he's an incredible young musician.
Steve Wilson just crushes everything he plays on this record. He's a, just an incredible saxophonist. And uh, I, I wonder how you two uh, first got together and why, when you decided to put this acoustic band together, uh, he was the guy you picked out of all the horn players in the world. So ah, Steve Wilson. Wow. Um, I, I first became familiar with Steve uh, when I was in high school. I was uh, listening to all of the records he had played on with Ralph Peterson's band. I quickly discovered when I got to New York that he was the most omnipresent saxophonist in town. I mean, he was playing with Buster Williams' group. He was playing with Maria Schneider's big band. He was playing with his own group. Uh, he was playing with Rini Rothness. Not only is he just a great musician, but I think another thing that makes Steve special is that he is the ultimate professional. He's always on time. He always learns the music. You never have to worry about any quirks with him. He's just like a—he's just there. You know, he—he he, he is just a pillar of strength. And uh, out of all the guys in the band, I'm really, really thrilled to be working with him because you know everybody wants him. So, you know, his calendar is booked probably over the next ten years. <laughs> <laughs> can you uh, can you talk a little bit about? This band as a band, I mean, the, the record, it really sounds like a band. And you've got uh, Warren, maybe new to the scene, but the other four of you, as you've already mentioned, are incredibly busy, all band leaders, all out there everywhere. How is it that still you guys got in the studio and uh, just kind of let that all go at the door and formed a well, band? Well, you know, I owe that to those guys because they wanted to do it. Uh, they, they were the ones that decided that they wanted this to be a working band. Uh, I mean, yes, there was a lot of influence from outside, but the guys in the band decided that they had so much fun, they, you know, collectively agreed to say that, yeah, this is special, let's keep this together, let's see, you know, let's make our schedules work and, and make this happen. So I owe it all of those guys. Unfortunately, um, one guy actually already did have to drop out, and that was Eric Reed. Peter Martin is now the official pianist in Inside Straight. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, Eric is is always still a member of the band. It's just that his uh, his schedule was just a little too hard to work around. So, um, you know, there's definitely no animosity there. I still love the guy tremendously, and we still talk all the time. And at some point, I'm sure he'll be able to make some more gigs with Inside Straight. This record is dedicated to two people. We've already mentioned Freddie Hubbard. Will you talk about uh, the great Tony Reedus, who he yeah. was, and, and why you dedicated this record to him? Oh, my goodness. Uh, for everything I said about Carl Allen, uh, I could probably double that for Tony Reedus. There was a period there between my first few months in New York uh, and the next 10 years where Tony and I uh, played together a whole lot uh, as a matter of fact, Tony came in the Freddie's band about a year after Carl left. Uh, and then we played together a lot with Mulgrew Miller. Tony's uncle, of course, was James Williams, who was another person who uh, was a great teacher and a mentor to me. So Tony was very much like, uh, very much like a brother to me. We spent a lot of time together. And anybody who knew Tony Reedus could tell you he was... Uh, one of the funniest guys ever in the whole world. I mean, I, I like to think of Tony as the black Rodney Dangerfield. Um, I, he was one of these kind of guys that when he got upset, he, he really didn't get angry, but he kind of got crotchety, kind of like in the Ralph Cramden, Archie Bunker, Fred Flintstone mold, you know. 
So even when he got upset, you were on the floor dying laughing. And needless to say, when he was in a good mood, he always kept a smile on everybody's face. So uh, that type of uh, positivity and, and that kind of uh, effervescent spirit, you know, that, that just got around to everyone who came into contact with him. This uh, this album ends with kind of an unlikely choice, uh, the tune Where Are You? Uh, and I know that, that that has a particular history for you. Will you talk about that? Yeah. Um, Ray Brown, of course, uh, probably the biggest mentor I ever had, um, he used to tell me these stories about when he would travel with the Jazz and Philharmonic All-Star Tours. And he told me this great story about... Um, how Ben Webster always used to try to trip trip up the rhythm section. He had this whole thing about uh, calling obscure songs in obscure keys. And uh, one thing that Ray Brown was able to do probably more than any other musician, maybe other than Oscar Peterson or Hank Jones, Ray Brown seemed to know every single Broadway song, every single Tin Pan Alley song ever written and he could play it in any key without even thinking about it. And to me, that's the ultimate level of musicianship. If some guy goes, you know, some singer comes up on stage and says, let's play Body and Soul in A, 99.9 musicians will have to stop and go, B minor, E, okay, I think I got it, okay, count it off. Ray Brown would just say, okay, just start it, I know it. You know, and I, I just couldn't, I could never understand how he retained so much information. Um, and, and it really had not a whole lot to do with years, because, I mean, even if you're in your 70s, that doesn't guarantee that you still remember every song that you've ever played in your life in your lifetime. Uh, but Ray Brown seemed to have, like, this almost, you know, computer hard drive memory. Um he could transpose any song on the spot. And anyway, he told me the story about how one night uh, Ben Webster came behind him and Hank Jones and said, uh, let's play Where Are You in B. And uh, Ray said he and Hank Jones just kind of looked at each other like, do you know that? And Hank was like, well, sort of. And Ray was like, well, yeah, I sort of know it too. And he said they kind of stumbled their way through the song and Ben Webster just kept shooting them these really nasty looks through the song, you know, like, you know, stop messing up, you know. And uh, Ray said at that point, he decided that uh, he was going to dedicate himself to learning as much music as he possibly could in all 12 keys. And when he told me that story, I just kind of put it in the back of my memory bank going, you know, I've never even heard of that song, Where Are You? So let me learn it, you know. Um, you know, all those guys from that from that bebop generation, they all of those songs that we consider standards, they really were, weren't that old at that time. So uh, I, I do my best to try to uh, respect the elders by by all of us. You know, me, Eric Reed, Benny Green, uh, Stephen Scott, Roy Hargrove. You know, that's that's the language of modern jazz is those old Broadway show tunes. You know, so we all try to learn them as, as much as. Can. I didn't play Where Are You and B. I'm, I'm not quite that adventurous. But uh, <laughs> There's a difference between respect and masochism, right? There you go. <laughs> 
You said right at the beginning of this interview um, how people kind of pigeonholed the Christian McBride band, which is a, a ridiculous band that I encourage people to, to check out the recordings oh, of. Oh, thank you. My, man, my pleasure. Uh, uh, you, you said that people kind of pigeonholed it as fusion, which in addition to being kind of stupidly easy, um, I don't doesn't capture it at all. And I wonder, I mean, are people now like, are people pigeonholing this band and say, oh, he's back to the, he's back to his roots now, or he's back to an acoustic thing. I mean, do you, do you constantly have to fight that, or do you just shut it out and do what feels good? Well, I mean, at this point, I, I realize that there's always going to be a contingency that, that, that they just feel comfortable putting you in their own little mental box to make themselves feel more comfortable. And no matter what a musician experiments with or tries to do, there's always going to be that. So I've decided to try to not let that bother me or either determine what I'm going to do next. Um, with this new band, I think the whether or not you liked or disliked the Christian McBride band, I think when you hear this record, you can tell it was natural. Everything about this band and everything about all of the notes that were played on that record just kind of came out just with so much fun and so much natural instinct that it, it feels comfortable. It's a very comfortable feeling and a very comfortable listen, you know. So uh, I'm, I'm not so much worried about this band being pigeonholed, although I got to tell you that it was really funny because I never thought this would happen. Uh, we just completed a month-long tour. We did the uh, West Coast of the U.S., and we just finished two weeks in Europe. And uh, we played a concert in Italy, and there was a bunch of guys that came backstage, and uh, they spoke very broken English. It was really sweet. They said, you know, Christian, we saw you a couple of months ago with the five-piece band. I said, oh, okay, great, great. And they said, uh, you played electric on that gig. I said, yeah. They said, well, how come you didn't play electric tonight? We're disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, man, I, I just can't win, can I? <laughs> <laughs> I said, don't worry, I'll play electric again at some point, but not with this band. Uh, that's great. I, uh, I've got two more questions for you. For, I, it just, I, would, I would get letters probably if I didn't say, kind of brown, we got to talk about the, about the title. Yeah. Uh, so give me the, give me the scoop. I, I don't know actually where it came from. It, it came from sitting around in a bar one night just uh, – talking over drinks with uh, Jeff Tane Watts and Billy Childs one night. And, uh, you know, when guys sit around just having fun and telling stories and just shooting the breeze, things come out. So this phrase, kind of brown, just kind of uh, came out somewhere, and I thought, wow, that's kind of hip. Let me, let me put that in my back pocket. And uh, that's pretty much where it came from. But, of course, what happens is, uh, you know, since there's no real true reason why I came up with that title, I now have to create one because everybody <laughs> wants to know where it came from. Uh, they say, well, what do you mean? Do you mean Ray Brown? I said, well, I guess, but not really. They said, well, do you mean James Brown? I said, well, yeah, but not really. <laughs> so there's really not that much of a purpose behind it. And my, my final question is completely self-serving. Who do I have to write to to get the next uh, Philadelphia Experiment album? Ah, Questlove. <laughs> it's, it's all on him. All right. Well, talk about a guy who's booked for the next 10 years. Yeah, especially now, right? So. Jeez. 
Well, I'll send him a letter. I mean, there's like a two-year waiting list for a return call, so <laughs> forget it. My guest is Christian McBride. He and his band Inside Straight have an album called Kind of Brown. It's on Mac Avenue Records. Go get it right now. And uh, Christian, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you for taking the time to do it. Anytime. That's bassist Christian McBride from his album Kind of Brown. You've been listening to The Jazz Session, the weekly jazz interview show. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of The Jazz Session is also available for free at TheJazzSession.com and in iTunes. The Jazz Session has an email mailing list, which is a great way to win free music. You can sign up at thejazzsession.com. If you're on Facebook, there's a group for The Jazz Session, and I give away music there, too. The theme music for this show is by the Respect Sextet, online at respectsextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Vrabel, who designed The Jazz Session's logo. The Jazz Session is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 United States License. You can find out more about that at thejazzsession.com. As always, I'm really glad you were here. Thanks very much for listening. Please support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session. Thank you for listening. Bye.